Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Comprehension Goals, What to Write and How to Measure Them Easily. If you are listening to these podcast episodes in order, last week you know that I shared a little bit about some mistakes that we often make with progress monitoring. And for a lot of us, we just don't have a plan. We get thrown into this, suddenly it's the end of the first nine weeks, and holy cow, we haven't done anything with progress monitoring, or maybe we've collected some data, but it's a hot mess. And so today I wanna focus just on comprehension goals so that we know what can we write and then how can we progress monitor it easily. To begin, I really think we have to first start thinking about a sequence of how does comprehension progress? And to be honest, some of that comes from listening comprehension, not necessarily reading comprehension. And so as I'm sharing this, I want you to know and realize that depending on the grade level that you teach, your students are going to fall in an array of areas on this spectrum that I'm sharing or on this continuum of skills. Also, I'm only one person and these are things that I've seen in my years, but there could be other things that you're like, Amanda, you're forgetting this. Why didn't you include that? And if that's the case, I'm sorry. I'm just going to share kind of what I'm doing. And so for me, a lot of that starts with listening comprehension. Because for some of our students, that is a very big strength. That's something that they're very good at. Whereas others, listening comprehension is very, very difficult for them. And that ability to process things auditorily is a struggle. And so before we start diving into reading comprehension, we might have to back up a little bit and give students some goals for listening comprehension. Later in the episode, I'll talk about a little bit of kind of the different types of goals that you could write. But for now, I wanna focus on that sequence. So first, let's say we're going to work on listening comprehension. Then, let's say your students have mastered that. That's not really a struggle for them. Then we're going to move on to really working on reading comprehension. One of the big things that I work on with my students is understanding that there are different layers, different complexities, different levels of understanding a text. And there are also different types of questions that they might have about a text or about a story. And so some of those are what I call right there questions. The answer is staring you right in the face. You just have to be able to read the text. And so for a lot of our younger or early readers or lower level readers, even if they are a little older, they might be still at that right there kind of question level. 
So for me, what that looks like is if we read a sentence and it says the fish has six fins, that student being able to answer the question, how many fins does a fish have? Or having a passage that tells us that a fish breathes through its gills. And then having a question that says, how does a fish breathe? And so questions such as that really require students to understand a surface level understanding of that story. They're not drawing conclusions. They're not making predictions. They're just kind of regurgitating facts or recalling what was there. Which brings us to our next skill. Applying real reading comprehension skills and strategies to help them understand and kind of take the meaning of that to a deeper level. So just like I shared before, I tell my students, this is a right there question. This is something that all I have to do is look back in the text. And when students start to make that transition from right there text to things that are a little more complicated than a right there answer, that is hard for them. And that is something that they need to know is hard for like everybody. And that this is not something that they need to freak out about. They need to know that it is okay for some questions to not have answers that are right there in the text. And for our gen ed students, this might happen at the end of second grade, the beginning of third grade. But for some of our students, that happens much later. They might be fourth or fifth graders before they're seeing that like, oh, okay, so every question, the answer is not in the text. I have to come up with it in my head. And I vividly remember this as a child. I was such a perfectionist before I even knew that that was a thing. I had to have the answer right in front of me. Like, let's go back to the fish question. Maybe I knew that that answer was that they breathe through gills, but I had to literally go back in the text and find it to be like 100% certain that that is exactly what they were saying. I might have known that, yeah, they have six fins, but I could not mark the answer six or write the answer six until I went back and made sure for 100% certainty that that is exactly what it was. And so when I had questions that were not right there, I struggled. And really my answers were right. I remember getting in trouble with my third grade teacher because she told me I needed to just make a decision and write something down. Literally, that's what she told me because I would keep going up to her desk and asking her, I think this is right, but I can't find it in here. I think this is the answer, but I, it, it doesn't say that. And so now as an adult, I'm like, well, I was drawing conclusions. I was making predictions. I was doing things in my brain that were not right there in the text. I was using what the text gave me to come up with an answer. And that killed me. That drove me bonkers. And so maybe it's because I had that experience where I thought I was wrong because it wasn't right in front of me, but I need to reassure my kids or when they kind of get to that point, I always have conversations with my students to let them know, yeah, 
in kindergarten, first, second grade, yeah, the answers were right in front of our face. But guess what now, guys? We're in the third grade, and that's not how this works. Some of those questions will be right there, and some of them you are going to have to come up with that answer in your brain and use what you know from the story to support what you're thinking. And that's a conversation, and that's a skill. And that's something that when we're talking about this sequence of how our students are going to answer questions, we have to kind of define in our IEP goals. We have to define what kinds of questions are we going to be asking our students so that we can ensure that we are teaching the right thing, giving the right goals, and that we even know what we're assessing. Because to be honest, my first few years of teaching, I would use their reading story test. And so it might've at that time, I don't even remember, have five to 10 questions about reading the reading story of the week. And while that's fine, those questions vary so much. Maybe half of them are basic recall questions and half of them are taking it to the next level, really drawing a conclusion, really making a prediction, comparing and contrasting things, all of those big mama skills that we talk about. However, if I just write a goal to answer 10 comprehension questions, what kind of questions are we answering? Are we answering those 10 right there questions? Or are we answering 10 questions that require that student to think deeply and utilize skills that might be more difficult for them. And so what I want you to take away from this right now is that neither of those are good or bad or better or worse. It's on a student by student basis. The student who you are sitting down to write that goal, what do you think they need? Do they need to answer write their questions because they're early on in their development? And even with write their questions, they might get some of them wrong because they don't know all of the words, because they don't know that they can go back and check, where do they stand on write their questions? But for other students who giving them five or 10 write their questions would be a piece of cake, they'd look at you like, okay, give me more, that was easy. Then you need to be moving on to things that are a little more complex. Now, depending on what you teach, everything that I just said might be more than enough for you to kind of get through in a year. Working on listening comprehension, transitioning to write their questions, and then later transitioning to deeper level reading skills. However, some of you I know also teach upper elementary. And so you know if you're teaching in that three, four, five range, that just being able to draw conclusions is not enough. Your students also have to be able to take those reading skills and apply it to multiple passages and then compare or contrast those multiple passages. So it is a lot of complexity there that again, we have to be prepared for and then we need to be able to help our students read and process all of that information. Okay, so that's what I'm gonna call part one. Before we can really start writing goals, we have to understand what that sequence of skills is. What does a low, low, low student do? What does a high, high, high student do? Think of the lowest kid in a gen ed room and the highest kid in a gen ed room. What does that spectrum look like? What does that sequence of skills look like? 
And then we can kind of move on to part two or the second half of thinking about what is this goal going to be for this particular student. And for me, there are really four ways that we can assess students or four types of ways that we can assess students. So the first is orally. Maybe you're going to assess a student just through oral conversation. So going back to how many fins does a fish have? I'm going to ask that student that. I'm going to see if they share the right answer and I'm going to move on. I might ask another question, get that answer, move on. And you could honestly pair that with a passage that you've read out loud to a passage we've read as a group, to a passage that you have had them read independently. That again, you choose and you specify based on what that student needs. Maybe you don't want to go that oral route and maybe you want to go with multiple choice questions. Oftentimes we might think, hey, let's do multiple choice because it's easy to grade. And that's true, it is. But it also helps our students because they can kind of use process of elimination. They can look at those words, match them to the text above and see, oh yeah, I do think this is the right answer because guess what? The number six was here saying six fins and it's also in the text. So that must be the answer. And so it gives our students a little bit of a guide or a prompt or something that they can kind of use to choose the best answer. But for some of our kids, that's going to be too easy. They're gonna be able to easily answer multiple choice questions, even if they're drawing conclusions because they don't have to come up with that answer on their own. Which leads me to the next type of assessment, which is having students answer in an open-ended way which honestly can vary depending on how old your students are, depending on their ability to write, um, both physically and the ability to pull some of those sentences out and actually get them on paper. But having them write answers is a little more challenging than just coloring in A or coloring in B or whatever. And so that can be done with sentence stems, that can be done with fill in the blank, that can be done in a lot of ways. Again, you choose what fits the needs and the age and the ability level of that student. And lastly, to kind of expand on that open-ended question type of question, then is asking students to answer a writing prompt about one or more passages, which can sound very intimidating, but with some good structure, some good instruction, and a good model, our students can do that when we kind of give them all the right tools and they're actually ready for that level. So the real question is, how do we bring that all together to actually know what to write for a reading comprehension goal? For me, that kind of takes that first part where we're thinking about where do they fall in that spectrum or that continuum and putting it with how would be the best way for that student to answer those questions. I think this could be best shared in an example. So I have a student who this year, if we were working in a small group together and I was just asking questions and waiting for students to respond, he was always one of the first ones to give a response, always. 
orally, he did great. However, that was oftentimes with multiple reads. You know, I had read it to them. Then we had taken turns. Then they whisper read that. And then he could just share those answers like it was nothing. So and a goal for him where I read and I ask the questions, oh, he would be mastering that in no time. That would not even be an appropriate goal for him. However, asking him to answer multiple choice questions after he reads the passage was a challenge for him. So that for me was, okay, over the next year, we can start working on, yes, I read to them a lot, but maybe when it's time to progress monitor, I change things up a bit and have them read the story first and have him answer those comprehension questions. And at his current reading level, those comprehension questions are really just those right there surface level basic questions. And with any IEP goal that we have, it's going to start out ugly. He's not going to get all those questions correct. However, in time, as we practice looking back in the text, reading things multiple times, he will begin to get better at doing those things on his own when I say read this passage and answer these questions. He'll get better at that, but it's going to take time. It's going to take practice. He's going to have to improve some of his decoding skills, some of his sight word skills. For this student in mind, even some of his attention skills to be able to maintain attention well enough to be able to read a story from start to finish. So there's a lot going on with that goal, but just me reading to him and asking him questions, he would have that mastered. So I've got to figure out how I could ramp it up a notch to be ready for him, not too hard, not too difficult. It's gonna take us about a year to accomplish. And although I know that goal will be hard for him, it doesn't scare me. What scares me is asking him to write a sentence about what he's read and I would rather bang my head against the wall. And so that's to me how I kind of know, okay, he's not ready for an open-ended question. It, he is not ready to be drawing conclusions and all those kinds of things. We are not ready for that. But he does need and is ready to begin answering basic surface level, basic recall types of questions. And so that's the goal that that student was given. Another real life example of a student that I have is one who, when we're talking out loud, you know, just discussing, he literally takes everything to the next level. I'm like, oh, that is a great conclusion. I never thought of that. Or, oh, great insight. Or, you know, you took that one sentence and I did not really see that. Or I was not really going there. Or to be honest, I wrote the passage and that was not what I was thinking. But whoa, you knocked my socks off. So that student is able to draw conclusions and make predictions and compare and contrast. However, his writing ability, his ability to then take the spoken word and get it to a, an answer that made sense was really challenging for him. And so his version of a comprehension goal was to answer an open-ended question and cite evidence. 
And so his goal was for comprehension, but that looked totally different than the comprehension goal of the other student that I previously described. So you really, honestly, whenever people were saying, do you have any ideas for comprehension goals? I'm like, um, yeah, but I don't know your kids. I don't know what they need. How am I supposed to tell you what to write? And so then as I kind of like pondered on it and stewed a little bit, I'm like, you know what? You can help them. But first you kind of have to explain how those two different pieces are going to have to work together to describe what that child needs to do in order to master the goal. In next week's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about writing goals. And so I'm going to try not to get too much off on a tangent in this episode because I don't want you to have to hear it two times. But to me, when it's time to sit down and write that goal, you have to be very explicit then about what you're wanting that student to do. So you might be thinking, are they reading a passage at their independent level, at their instructional level, at their grade level? You need to define what type of passage will that student be reading, what level? You also need to tell what type of support are you going to give to them? Are you reading it out loud? Are you going to read it multiple times in a small group and then you're going to turn them loose to answer the question? Are you going to throw the passage at them? It's a cold read and you ask them to read and then voila, answer those questions. And lastly, you really need to describe what types of questions are you going to be giving those students? Think back to my example from my first few years of teaching where I was relying on their reading tests, where sometimes they are write their questions and then other times they might be working on main idea or working on drawing conclusions or working on author's purpose. It's going to be an array of things and I want control over what I'm giving to them. So that's kind of where you have to go as you're writing is start thinking about what level will the reading passage be? What level of support are you going to give to them? And what kind of question or what type of question are you going to be asking them to do? Is it multiple choice? Is it open-ended? Are you going to orally say it? They doing a writing prompt. What does that level look like? So do you know what to write now? Hopefully, as I shared some of my student examples, you might be starting to think about your specific students and what you might write for them. Because there's no one size fits all goal. Yeah, we all teach special education. Yeah, we all have a variety of learners, but they kind of fit the same molds. But what your student is ready for in that given moment might be different than another student sitting at your table. So you've got to start breaking down reading comprehension so that you can write and describe a goal that really, really fits their needs. And then it comes to the fun part. How do you progress monitor that? In my opinion, if that is what their goal is, then that's also what you should be working on in the small group every single day. And so for me, my student, where we're just answering multiple choice questions that are right there in the text, that's what we're working on every day when we're using our reading intervention. Every single day, we are reading those passages, we're answering those questions, and what I try to do, and you know, some days are better than others, or some weeks are better than others, 
there's a varied level of support. I don't want my students always relying on me to feed them answers. I don't want them to always rely on me reading everything to them. And so there might be a day or two a week where I say, okay, I want you to try to answer these questions without me reading the story out loud or without me reading the questions out loud. And I don't do it all the time because I think they need practice with that. Or I might say, okay, today, whenever you answer, you know, A is your answer, I want you to go back and I want you to highlight or underline where did you find that answer in the text? That way, you know, that's not something we're doing every day. We don't always have time for that. But we're practicing those skills. We're talking about the importance of reading things repeatedly and going back and looking at those answers all the time. So for me to progress monitor that student, what I do is just use those questions. And then I know, okay, he was able to answer 50% of the questions or he wasn't able to answer any of the questions or we had eight questions all week long and he answered six of the eight correct. And so I can progress monitor right in the moment. And the same is true for my student who's answering an open-ended question. That's something that we are literally working on all the time. So one day a week, we're working on restating and answering the question. That's something that we do every single week because that's a big part of answering an open-ended question. And then two days a week, we're working on citing evidence from the text, again, from a story that Maybe I read out loud to them. Maybe we read it all three times. Maybe because I was progress monitoring and his goal was written to read it independently. Maybe I said, hey guys, I'd like for you to read this story today and try to answer this question. Maybe I let them use their little cards. I have these little cards that tell them first and then what do you do? What's step two? What's step three? Maybe I let them use the cards. Maybe I say, try it without. And anytime usually that I'm say, saying, maybe we should do it this way, or I want to try it, that usually means somebody has a goal that's a little bit different. And I need to make sure that we're practicing that all the time. So for me to progress monitor then, I don't really have to change anything about what I'm doing other than making sure that the situation or the scenario of that day fits the needs of the way that goal is supposed to be monitored which for me is one of the reasons why I am constantly preaching that we need good routines. We need things that we are doing every single day or every single week on a regular basis so that when it is time to assess that student, I know it's gonna be easy because it's gonna be built into what I'm already doing. I don't have to stop anything. I can progress monitor them with ease. And if you get nothing else out of this episode, that's what I hope you see, is that once you write your goals, make those daily routines fit what your students need. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. 
until next time, have a great week.